Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. Integrative wellness is a popular trend in New York City that's here to stay. Combining things like affordable housing, patient care, and nutrition fitness education can have an enormous impact on overall health, not only for those who are sick, but also for well care. Dr. David Perlstein is President and Chief Executive Officer of SBH Health System. It was formerly known as St. Barnabas Hospital's Health and Wellness Center, and he's here to talk about just that. SBH Health System has been delivering health and wellness to the Bronx community for over 150 years. Across from the hospital on Third Avenue is the new SBH Health and Wellness Center, which opened in late 2020. Included in the HealthPlex Fitness Center, the SBH Teaching Kitchen, Centers for Women's Imaging, Children's Health and Women's Health, a WIC site, and a rooftop farm happens to have a food pantry and four beehives where honey is produced. In a short time, the services there have already seen a huge difference in the health and wellness of its patients. Dr. Perlstein has served many roles during his tenure at SBH, including Executive Vice President and Chief Medical Officer of the hospital and Vice Chairman of the Department of Pediatrics. He continues to be clinically active and has spent the majority of his career promoting better health and better health care in the Bronx. He serves on several important healthcare boards in New York City as well. Dr. Perlstein received his medical degree from the University of Cincinnati and completed his internship and residency in pediatrics at the New York Hospital Cornell Medical Center in New York City. He received his Master's of Business Administration from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, Eisenberg School of Management, and he holds academic appointments at both the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and the CUNY School of Medicine as well. So welcome, Dr. Perlstein. It's great to have you here and, and great to hear about the work that you're doing to helping those in the Bronx. Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful to tell a story. And I guess for many doctors, especially those that get to the level that you're at, it's a long resume. I love it. <laughs> it's a, it's always embarrassing to, to hear your resume. I think my wife reminds me all the time that even though I've been a manager for a long time, uh, when I get home, I'm not. Right. You have to still take out the garbage. <laughs> I get it. Trust me. I'd love for you to just share a little bit about SBH Health System and really the constituency sure. that you serve. Right. So SBH, and I appreciate the introduction to the institution, and I'd like to talk a little more about you know, some of our accomplishments. We've been around for a long time, and we're a community hospital. We're an anchor institution. Uh, we are what uh, people refer to as a safety net institution. Mm. And what that means simply is that we serve those folks who may not otherwise be served elsewhere. People who are poor, uh, uninsured, underinsured, new immigrant populations. Uh, safety nets can be private or uh, for-profit in other states. In New York State, that's not possible. They can be rural. They can be urban. We happen to be a, a not-for-profit you know, private hospital that uh, is really just trying to, to deliver high-quality, safe care in the Bronx to a population that certainly has earned it. Well, I have to say, you know, I, I think people have, I, I would say, a new appreciation for healthcare institutions, particularly because of the pandemic. You know, I think that's where everyone recognized how important healthcare is. I mean, all of us kind of know how important it is when ourselves or, or people that we care about have a have a health crisis, but I think in this case the the kind of whole world did it once. 
So, you know, I really love to hear from you, you know, A, how how you as an institution made it through the pandemic and, and maybe how you could also walk us through how you pivoted um, during these difficult and stressful times. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, we have a phenomenal staff, right? And thank God we have a phenomenal staff because they really are the ones that pulled us through. We were really there supporting the work that they did. Mm. We serve a community that was hit really hard by the pandemic, significant illness. And as a result, uh, during the pandemic and afterwards, there were also significant rise in unemployment rates. Kids are having a hard time attending school because of the disparate availability of technology. Uh, no you know, good high-speed internet everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but we did what we had to do. We buckled down. We were faced with unprecedented uh, volume and levels of severity that we had not seen before. And we ended up shutting down all of our elective programs and moving staff into other areas to support basically a big giant ICU. So in our, we ended up, I think, taking care at the height of the pandemic, over 100 uh, ventilated patients. Generally, we don't have more than 30. Wow. It was a big deal. But, but also, people were willing to do what they needed to do to protect the community, including my dental uh, residents. You know, these are uh, dentists in training. They actually turned, they became our testing and vaccine pods. And we set up tents outside and we were vaccinating and testing community members and staff members. I have photographs of these guys doing this phenomenal work. But also everybody did what they had to do, recognizing that it was, for all intents and purposes, it was a mass unit. We were really not familiar with the disease. We were not familiar with initially when it started. And we got better and better and more facile. And we're happy that we're on the other side of this now. Yeah. But we're, we're ready, right? We recognize that we have to remain on guard. Uh, we have to be prepared for the next public health emergency. But we also were able to pivot at the same time to the preventive care that was required. So we, we created partnerships with community-based uh, organizations to make sure that folks had vaccines and access to testing. We really tried to protect our, our elderly population and, and the population that had much higher risk. And so we developed programs to actually go to their homes and get them vaccinated and tested so they didn't have to come out. These are things that as a, as a pediatrician, as a healthcare provider, it just is not a hard decision to make because you got to do what you've got to do when you're presented with this kind of thing. And New York did a great job uh, yeah. in terms of facing just the volume at the height of the pandemic and overcoming our own fears, right? People were doing work, not knowing what they were dealing with. And sure. we were seeing the, the level of illness that you don't see very often. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, a lot of these uh, nurses and doctors, they're really heroes because they went out there when there was a lot of unknowns and took care of people that were, were in bad shape. Yep. Yeah. Then the EMTs, I mean, it was, it was incredible. Yep. Well, you talked about the history, the hospital being there for 150 years. It's amazing. Um, but I really would love to hear a little bit more about the health and wellness center that opened oh, in, yeah. in 2020. And I think it's also important to touch on, you know, the accessibility, because for, from my understanding, you were serving one of the lowest income neighborhoods in the whole city. Mm-hmm. And so, we are. Yeah. yeah. So if you could share about the, the wellness center a little bit more, as well as, you know, how accessible it is or isn't to those in need. 
we're a big organization as an anchoring institution. We, we know that our responsibility is really to serve the community and to be a good partner in the community. Mm-hmm. The goal of a hospital, an acute care hospital, is to basically initially and historically was to take care of patients who get sick. And the way hospitals and health systems get paid uh, traditionally is by taking care of those sick patients. But the fact is, through the delivery system reform, the Medicaid system reform, and the reality that there has to be a better way to do these things, we kind of started walking, going down a path of thinking about value over volume. How are we going to keep our community healthier? Because that ultimately, again, as a pediatrician, now my responsibility is to keep kids healthy, keep them out of the hospital. And we did a pretty good job at that in the pediatric field. So I carried that through into the hospital management as well. And we had a, a, my predecessor, who was a pulmonologist and worked in the community for many years. Uh, we all worked together to have this vision of this empty piece of land that we had across the street from us, which initially we thought would be our future brand new hospital, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone's mm-hmm. a brand new you know, hospital. Sure. <laughs> but as we started thinking about the effectiveness and the usefulness of space, we realized that there were more transformational things that we could do with it. We were lucky to find ourselves uh, supported by New York State, but also able to develop a relationship with L&M development. Oh, sure. And we came up with a plan to build 314 units of affordable housing. Hmm. 50% of the housing was actually reserved for Bronx residents, and actually 95 of those units were reserved for previously homeless individuals. Love that. But we don't have any experience managing or building housing. <laughs> so that was L&M's responsibility. But what we insisted on having was at the center of this was a 50,000 square foot wellness center. And in that space, which is right across the street from the hospital and next door to our ambulatory care uh, area, we actually have preventive programs for women and children. So there's general pediatrics and general obstetrics and gynecology, and that's on the first floor. We have women's imaging programs with 3D mammography and other types of, again, preventive and therapeutic treatment areas. We have a WIC center. Uh, We have an urgent care center. These are all things that we felt would be able to keep populations healthier, uh, including keeping them out of the emergency department, making sure people are getting their vaccines at appropriate prenatal care. And then on the second floor and on the roof, which is the roof of the apartment building, we realized that we could really do something special. And we partnered with a fitness center. It's a HealthFlex, which has really been a great partner of ours now. Uh, And they manage a fitness center that is a medical model. So we're partnering with insurance companies. We're partnering with, uh, you know, local physician groups People are writing prescriptions for their patients to come in and get, you know, working out hmm. and, and trying to exercise. But on top of that, we have a teaching kitchen as well. Uh, we have a hmm. culinary education center. Uh, and it's, um, and those two things together are really programs that work synergistically to address obesity, diabetes, and the inavailability of programs that actually support overall wellness. We have right now, the entire health and wellness center is actually open to the public. 
Uh, anybody can come in. It's uh, again, it's an, as you walk into the first floor, and I, I welcome the whoever you know is listening or can learn about it to come visit. We actually got a really uh, a healthy foods place to open up next in in the the lobby of the building. Love that. We have a green market once a week uh, as well, where the produce that comes off the roof. We were actually have a greenhouse upstairs as well, and we run programs for the community. So both community-based organizations, but also we are educating our own staff, both doctors, nurses, and others, how to teach their patients about nutrition. Yeah, I mean, how to encourage patients to get exercise. So it's great. I'm a member. Love it. (laughs) They've got wonderful folks there. We are so proud of this place, and we have just an incredibly uh, committed staff that are managing it. And we've already seen impacts in some of the programs. We've done very small numbers of programs. You remember, we opened at the beginning of the pandemic with our Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we had to pivot that space into a vaccine space and everything else. We couldn't have lots of people in there, but we're finally coming out of it and we're really starting to see the impact. We've got visits from multiple CEOs around the, both the state and outside of the state coming and looking at the program because people are interested in doing something similar around the country. Yeah, we think this has unlimited benefit and it, it addresses the things you talked about it helps us think about the integration of wellness with regular care. It also really pushes us to think about ways to address the so-called social determinants of health, those things that make it hard to stay healthy. You know, I love the example of how you worked with a private entity to make it happen and oh, yeah. also add something very positive to the community through you know, health and wellness, but also affordable housing. I mean, that is really uh, a terrific... Yeah, uh, I accomplishment I, I, happened. How did uh, explain to me how did that go about? Did you put out an RFP or was that yes. somebody that came? Yes, to we we, so we put out the- an RFP. We had an idea, okay. and we had to find a partner that was willing to do this because this is not a big money maker for anybody, right? This is not something that's going to be the gravy train for the universe. Mm-hmm. However, we found a partner who was willing to do this housing in the Bronx was willing to build out this shelf for us. And not only that, they were willing to agree that all the storefronts, and you you obviously know in real estate, if you have a storefront, that's where you make your money. Mm-hmm. They agreed to only put into the storefronts things that were consistent with the mission of, of wellness. We didn't have any anything that sold cigarettes or alcohol yep. or other things that we we don't think are consistent with our vision. No fast food. No, you know, it really is something we're very proud of, and we're very lucky that we found a partner. So I assume the win-win is that you need the money to build the building, and they came in and built it, and you got really a, a terrific asset to be able to operate out of. I mean, more or That's less. That. I'm sure there's more details to that, but is that largely? That is largely the case. As I said, our expertise is not building housing, nor managing housing. Yep. And yet, we knew that by creating affordable housing, so we're not gentrifying the neighborhood by bringing people from the outside. Because again, you know, what we're really talking about is trying to create an environment for the neighbor, our neighbors. You know, as an anchor institution, we want our yep. neighbors to feel that we're part of the solution. And the fact is the folks that had been living in the community deserve uh, higher levels of housing availability, nicer housing, and they certainly deserve access to good foods. So you're not in a food desert. And we feel that we really are on that journey towards fulfilling that promise. 
And I also assume that over time you'll be, you know, gathering some really significant data to be able to see the benefits of right. this health and wellness program. I, that's, I that's right. This is a long game, right? Yep. This is, you know, and I know even our own personal stories. When we go on some sort of journey of wellness, it, it isn't a two-month journey. <laughs> it's a lifelong journey. And yep. we believe that the more people see the impact and how easy it is ultimately in terms of access, respectful, easy access to this, we're going to gather steam. And actually what's interesting for me is, is I would love to become a social determinants of health laboratory. I'd love to do all kinds of things that test our hypotheses and prove that these are effective because these don't pay for themselves, right? I don't make money on these things because I told you already, I don't make money unless I discharge patients right now. Mm-hmm. So our big plan is to really, again, partner with the government and partner with payers and partner with large employees who insure people and unions to see if we can't decrease their costs by maintaining health and improving that index. And you know that the yeah. Bronx, unfortunately, has been has been the 60, basically in terms of health and wellness, there's a Robert Wood Johnson survey that's done every year about community health and county health. And in New York state, the Bronx ranks the lowest. And that has been going on for a long time. And so part of our wellness center really was focused on trying to change that, at least in our community or in our part of the Bronx community. And then hopefully, you know, we're already looking at another opportunity at the old union hospital. We're looking at opportunities to partner with other folks, uh, with communal life, who are doing great things. And I believe that you will see these types of programs showing up throughout the city pretty soon. And I think that we can move the needle. We have to find a way to fund it better. Yeah, right? I think the, that's the ultimate goal here. Well, it sounds like you were creative in doing that. I mean, you had the land, you had the vision. Now someone had to come up with uh, money and, and resources to build, right? Right. The problem is operations, right? Mm. So you got to find a way to continually operate these things in a way that that involves finding someone else to pay for it. Right. Because we otherwise don't have a product, right? I, I'm not a, you know, I'm a not-for-profit hospital taking care of a population that's primarily covered by the Medicaid system, which, mind you, only pays about 61 cents on the dollar of cost. Right. So I have an MBA, but I don't need one to do that math. Right. No, I hear you. I hear you. Anything else that would surprise people about the health center that you would want people to know? Sure. I think that one of the really most interesting things that I found out recently, and because I had to go through a process, in the health center through HealthFlex, they are now using technology uh, that they have in the wellness center where they're able to put you on a scale that runs a current through you. Hmm. And it tells you what your body fat is, what your visceral fat is, but it also is able to predict or calculate what you have to do in order to change the trajectory. And it shows where your risk factors are. And it's helpful because we've been able to work with diabetic patients and pre-diabetic patients to be able to let them, in a way, it's like a biofeedback system where you see where you are and you know what you have to do, and they can see the incremental improvements which truly will result in less illness, Yeah. which, which is now we're collecting data and there will be significant uh, information that will drive these practices further. Uh, the other thing I think folks don't 
really know, and you mentioned it, we've been in continuous operation since April 6th, 1866. That's awesome. That is uh, basically less than a year after the American Civil War ended. We opened as the first chronic care facility in the United States and the second in the world. Uh, England had the first open a year earlier. But we continue to evolve. As we mentioned, we changed our name in 2014 from St. Barnabas Hospital to SBH Health System to reflect the changing nature of care. The hospital will not be the center of the universe anymore. These programs like wellness programs, preventive care, community partnerships, housing, SDOH programs, that's the future of medicine and hopefully the future of healthcare because that's the only way that we're going to really improve the health and wellness of our neighbors. Well, Dr. Perlson, I'd love to hear, you know, the work that you're doing and really thinking outside the box and being innovative and, and, and partnering with relationships. Great to hear your story. And I thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate telling the story. No, it's our pleasure. To hear more stories through Steps Connects about people similar to Dr. Perlstein and making a great impact on our community, make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online anytime at podcast.schnepsmedia.com.